I said you may be seated, but you may stand up now <laughs> and uh, turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter number 11, Hebrews chapter 11. And it's been a minute again since we've been back here. Um, I think it was uh, August 8th was the last time we were in Hebrews chapter 11. So it's almost been two months since we've been in this particular passage, but uh, we're going to get back to it tonight. Hebrews chapter 11, and uh, we're going to read just three verses, verses 27, 28, and 29 of Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says this, uh, well, in reference, just to give context, verse 24 says, by faith Moses, and then on it goes, and we'll pick it up here in verse number uh, 27. So when it says he here, it's referring to Moses. So verse 27 says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, assaying to do, were drowned. And uh, let's pray one more time. Uh, if we could, Lord, Lord, thank you for your word now, and I pray, Lord, you'd use it in our lives to cause us to be more like Christ. Uh, Lord, help us to, Lord, understand the, uh, the example of, of Moses here, and I pray, Lord, that uh, we would follow it, and uh, that it would uh, help us to, again, be more conformed to the image of Christ. And I uh, pray, Lord, you'd open our hearts and uh, help us to be willing to be good doers of your word today. Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you. you. may be seated. So we're going through this series that we started at the beginning of the year, uh, going through the, uh, the characters that uh, the writer of Hebrews referred to in chapter 12 and verse 1, wherefore seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. So there is a, an encouragement as we run our race that there's fans in the stands, uh, cheering us on and beholding what we do. Um, I don't know who all the witnesses are, but uh, he does point to several in the previous chapter. And so we've been taking Sunday nights and looking at the different characters in the grandstands of our lives and, uh, and, and examples of those who lived by faith and endured and uh, kept their eyes upon the Lord. Um, looked at Abel, who showed us the right worship. Uh, we, we saw in this series uh, Enoch. We uh, learned about him, uh, one of the only two men in the, all of the Bible who, who did not die. And, and the other one, by the way, is Elijah, who we're talking about on Wednesday nights. And uh, Enoch showed us how to have the right walk. And we looked at Noah and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. And the last time we, picked, we, we were in this uh, back, in, back in August... Uh, we looked at Moses, and we saw how he chose Christ. Uh, the, the title of the message there was, I'd Rather Have Jesus. And uh, we saw in verse number 20, uh, 24, we saw how he chose Christ over power. He could have been called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and uh, got tons of power and uh, influence because of how he was raised. And uh, he said no to that and chose Christ instead of Power And then in verse 25, we saw how, how Moses chose Christ over pleasure, where it says here, uh, choosing rather to suffer 
affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So as I was, I was re-looking at this uh, in, in, in studying for this particular message, tonight's message, and I, and I saw that, that you, you compare here suffering and enjoying. Which would you rather have? Would you rather suffer or would you rather enjoy? I think all of us would rather enjoy. Would you rather, would you rather affliction or would you rather pleasure? I think all of us would probably rather pleasure. Um, but uh, instead... Moses said, you know what, I'd rather have Christ than the pleasure that is temporary, where that brings regret afterwards. So he'd rather have Christ over pleasure. And then verse 26, he said, I'd rather have Christ over possession. He says, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect and the recompense of the reward. Now tonight we're going to look at how Moses led the nation of Israel in the great escape. Uh, there, there's, been a, there's been several wonderful and, and great escapes uh, throughout history. Uh, I was reading about uh, uh, Lewis and Clark, and, 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 and uh, there was a pretty, pretty intense escape that took place in their expedition. It says, following three years of hazardous duty as a member of the famed Lewis and Clark expedition along the western frontier, John Coulter turned to trapping beaver in the Three Forks area of the Missouri River, deep in Blackfoot Indian Territory. Now, Three Forks area of the Missouri River was about an hour away from where we used to live in, in Helena, uh, in Montana. And that's where, that's where all this took place. But uh, John Coulter was part of the expedition there, and he, uh, he turned a trapping beaver in that particular area. Well, one day, while inspecting traps by canoe, Coulter and a companion were suddenly flanked by Blackfoot warriors. Coulter's friend was killed as he tried to escape, but Coulter was captured. Stripped of his clothing, including his shoes, the adventurer was led out onto the prairie and then released as several hundred Blackfoot set off in pursuit of Coulter. What followed was a legendary 11-day overland trek. Traveling day and night, Coulter climbed mountains, scurried across fields, tramped through woods, covering an unbelievable 300 miles as he made his way to safety without shoes. Quite an escape. Um, then I was reading a little bit about Alcatraz. Alcatraz uh, was a, uh, is an island just off of the, coast, uh, the Pacific coast up by San Francisco. How many of you have ever been to Alcatraz? Okay, a few of you have been there. I've been there as well. And uh, throughout the, uh, the 29 years, so you did some hard time there too, Stephanie? Okay, I kind of figured, kind of looked like you, had some, you did some time there at Alcatraz, I could tell. So that's where you found her, that's where you guys met, okay. Uh, how romantic. <laughs> Well, throughout the 29 years that Alcatraz functioned as a prison, uh, there were 41 inmates who attempted to escape, 41 who tried to escape that prison. Of those 41, 26 were captured, seven of them were shot dead by guards, three of them drowned, and five disappeared forever, and perhaps even completely escaped. We don't know. In fact, there was, I think, a 1972 film called Escape from Alcatraz. Maybe you've seen it. Uh, rec recording the, uh, the escape by Frank Morris, Clarence, and John Anglin, 
and uh, how they made it out, and it's still a mystery whether they were they drowned or if they made it to shore and uh, entered back into society. We don't know. And there have been a lot of great escapes in history, but I believe the escape of Israel from bondage under the leadership of Moses is definitely at the top of the list. Now, more accurately, they were uh, they didn't escape. More accurately, they were delivered. And it wasn't even Moses who delivered them, although he was referred to as the deliverer. Uh, but ultimately, it was the almighty of hand, almighty hand of God that delivered the nation of Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. But one of the keys to unlocking that prison door of bondage was, I believe, the faith of Moses. Now, what does the writer of Hebrews highlight for us in the life of Moses that uh, he wanted his readers to remember, especially when it comes here to the great escape? Uh, so he pinpoints four things that Moses did by faith as they escaped from Egypt, and I'd like to share them with you very briefly tonight. Number one, uh, we see here that Moses forsook the world. Moses forsook the world. In verse number 27, the Bible simply says this, By faith he forsook Egypt. By faith he forsook Egypt. Now, Egypt, uh, for those who uh, are Bible scholars and, and uh, who, who are familiar with the Old Testament, Egypt really is a picture of the world. Um, that represented the world and uh, the world's culture, the world's system, and, uh, and not in a good light. And so Egypt and all that it had represented the best, and all that it had, it represented the best the world could offer Moses. And in Egypt, he could have power, he could have pleasure, he could have possessions, he could have it all. But by faith, the Bible says in verse 27, he forsook Egypt, he forsook the world. Now, if you compare him to another man in the Bible named Demas, so Moses here forsook the world, forsook Egypt. But then in 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 10, Paul says this, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed unto Thessalonica, Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. So we have here two men, one who left the world to pursue the will of God, and the other who left the will of God to pursue the world. Quite a contrast. Moses left the world in order to pursue the will of God, but Demas, who was in the middle of the will of God, got to be part of the missionary team alongside the apostle Paul, and he left the will of God to pursue the world. Wow. And can I say this to all of us tonight? Biblically speaking, you can't love the world and do the will of God at the same time. It's a biblical impossibility. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15. In fact, if you don't mind just turning over there, you're in Hebrews chapter 11. Two pages to the right, you get to 1 John. In 1 John chapter 2, I'd like us just to see these verses once again. I know I could just quote them and, and that'd be fine, but I think seeing them for yourself would be helpful as well. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15. Here we're told here to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. 
John says here, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, verse 16 says, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Notice verse 17, and the world passeth away the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We have Demas here who decided that he's going to leave the will of God so that he can pursue the world. But then we have Moses in Hebrews chapter 11 back in Egypt who could have had all the things and all the best that this world had to offer chose to forsake the world. Um, as you're turning back to Hebrews, right after Hebrews is the book of James. If you kind of make a pit stop at James here, and uh, James chapter 4 and verse number 4, this is a very, uh, a very stern warning here regarding the world and those of us who are believers. James 4 and verse 4, he says this, James does, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? And in case you really didn't quite get that, he continues on the thought in verse 4, Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So Demas, you could say, chose to become an enemy of God. He was a man who was involved in pointing people to Christ, and then he gave all that up in order to pursue the world and become an enemy of God. But Moses, by faith, chose to forsake the world. Remember Lot's wife? In fact, that's, a, that's an entire verse of the Bible. I believe in the book of Luke, chapter 17, Jesus, then it's the words of Christ. He just simply says, remember Lot's wife. That, that's, a, that's a whole verse. So if you're looking for a good memory verse, children, that's a great one. Remember Lot's wife, three words. But what was Lot's wife famous for? She was famous for becoming a pillar of salt because she turned back to look back at Sodom. See, she was finally out of Sodom physically, but sadly, Sodom was not out of her. And uh, Moses here, he was in Egypt, but Egypt was not in him, so he forsook it. And I would encourage all of us to not, uh, yes, we live in the world, I get that, but to not let the world live inside of us. I remember when I was a teenager, and I've shared this story a number of times, but um, I'll just share it again. Uh, I joined a uh, cassette of the month club. If you, you teenagers don't really understand what a cassette is, uh, it's a plastic thing that played music, and you had to have a pencil to kind of fix it. Okay, that's that's about all I'm going to share with you on it. But I, I joined a cassette of the month club, and and uh, because I wanted to get some good music in my in my possession, and uh, good being in major air quotes there, because it wasn't good godly music; it was just music from the world. And uh, my friends. Uh, my friends listened to a bunch of that type of music, and I wanted to be cool like them, so I joined this club, and it was a good, cheap situation. You know, you, you, you get like, I remember it was like 10 cassettes for, the, for like a penny if you uh, joined this particular club. So I joined it, 
Um, and I got all this music, and I just enjoyed listening to it. And um, I was, I thought I was going to be cool now that I had all this music, you know, in my possession. Well, at the same time, I had just started going to a Baptist church in the area, and uh, and the pastor just kept ripping on rock music and the music of the world in his sermons. I mean, he would preach on marriage, and it would it would enter into that. He'd find a way to slip it in his message. He was pre- Mother's Day. He'd find a way to, <laughs> to to hit on music, and I'm sitting there going, "Okay, what's going on here? Would you just lay off on the music? Let me. I just joined my cassette of the month club. Leave me alone." And finally, I remember one service. He mentioned it again, and it was like the Holy Spirit had that had had. That pastor put that in his sermon each and every service for me because he knew that I needed to get rid of that out of my, out of my life. I remember thinking, man, I just joined this. I've already invested some money into this thing. I don't really want to cancel it. I mean, but okay, fine. I'll give up my, my stinking music. And so I remember canceling my account and... Um, back in those days, it was a little less convenient to do that. It wasn't like you can jump online and just go to your manager account and go and hit cancel subscription. It was a lot different back in those days. I think you had to send a letter or something like that. <laughs> it was crazy. And, and, and I remember doing that and, and uh, getting all my music in a big black trash bag, going into my room and getting a big black trash can and trash bag and putting all my CDs that I'd gotten. There was a few CDs. We had just started getting CDs. Yes, I'm old. And, uh, and, and those cassettes that I got, I, I put those in there, and, and I took it to the trash can out in the backyard, and I lifted the lid, and I put that in there, and that was it. That was a great day for me. Not to say that I've never been tempted to listen to that stuff ever again, or that when we go places or restaurants that I don't hear those same songs and want to, you know, get down with it, you know. Hey, I'm human too, okay? But that was a big day of victory for me when I got a big thing from the world out of my life. The world was in my life. And uh, that was a big day of victory when I was willing to forsake that. Again, not to say that there's never been any temptations along those way along those lines down later on but but here's the deal it was a big day of a victory is there something like that that is in your heart uh, that the world has crept into your life that you need to uh, forsake uh, Moses was willing to by faith forsake the world so Moses forsook the world number two let's notice here that Moses also focused on Christ Moses focused on Christ. Look in verse number 27. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Seeing him, who's him? Uh, Really the Lord, or Christ, who is invisible. Now the one who was most visible in, in that day was the king, the pharaoh. But... Moses, instead of being so focused and overwhelmed and intimidated by Pharaoh, chose to get his eyes on someone far greater than Pharaoh, and that was the Lord. 
Remember the disciples as they get in that boat and the waves and the, the wind start whipping up? And they were scared because their eyes were on the storm instead of on their Savior. And so Moses here, instead of getting so focused on the wrath of the king, he was focused on the Lord. Moses could have easily been intimidated by the king so much so that he would have ended up going, well, if I leave, I could get killed, so I'm just going to go ahead and stay. But instead, he got his eyes on another king and ended up leaving and endured. And the shift in his eyesight gave him courage to keep going, to endure, as it says here in verse number 27, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured. How did he endure? As seeing him who is invisible. Despite the trials and tribulations that Moses faced, he kept going because he kept his eyes on the Lord. So what's going to help us endure the suffering and affliction in our own lives? And, and uh, I've mentioned it a few times, but uh, I, I think that there's, it's likely that we as Christians here in America are going to be facing some persecution. It was that pastor in Canada who uh, ended up getting put into prison for having church Well, he got put into prison again for having church. And uh, he has warned Americans that this type of uh, persecution is not far from coming south of the border. So what's going to keep us enduring? What's going to keep us moving forward in our Christian life? What's going to keep us uh, keep running with patience? Uh, Well, it is going to be if we look, keep our eyes on the Lord. Uh, let's look here at uh, chapter 12 and verse number 2. I want us to see this. Um, chapter 12 and verse number 2. It says, looking unto Jesus... Actually, let's back up and, and pick it up in verse number 1 here. Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, that's, that's in a sense like Moses forsaking Egypt, forsaking the world. Uh, we need to lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And then he says here, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Let's keep running, and, and, and it's going to take some impatience, some endurance. And uh, what's going to keep us enduring? Verse number two, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, And then let's look at the example, not just of Moses here, but now in in chapter 12, let's look at the example of Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him, verse 3, that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. The Hebrew Christians... Uh, that the writer of Hebrews was addressing, uh, were dealing with some difficult persecution, and uh, they were going to probably face some uh, real, real hard times. And so he, he reminds him of Moses, but then in chapter 12, he reminds him of Jesus who uh, endured, even though he had tremendous contradiction of sinners against himself lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. There's going to become the time where we're all going to get, like, can we keep going? Can we keep coming to church? Can we keep serving the Lord? Remember Jesus. And remember 
Moses as well, that he was willing to uh, not worry about the wrath of the king because he had his eyes on the Lord. And how will we, how will we endure if we, like Moses, stay focused on Christ? Now, that does beg the question, how can we stay focused on Christ? On Christ? Well, since you asked, or I asked the question, um, the answer is by being daily in the Word of God. That's how we can keep our minds and our eyes focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't keep your eyes on the Lord if you're not daily in His Word. It's, it's impossible. Job 23, I, I recently read this verse in my Bible reading, Job 23, verse 12. Neither have Job said, neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Boy, it'd be good if Christians had that same mentality where uh, we have the need to eat. There's no question. But, but Job said, look, more important than a happy meal at McDonald's is time in God's word. More important than pizza, ice cream, or Captain Crunch is making sure that I have time every day in God's Word. Okay? And I just explained a very healthy diet to all of you. So if you're looking for the new fad diet, there it is. Pastor Johnson diet. So Captain Crunch, ice cream, pizza, and Happy Meal. There you go. Uh, All your major food groups. But Job said, look, the word of God is more important, and I esteem it more valuable and more, um, more of a priority in my life than I do my necessary food. Now, I would dare say that most of us have one, two, three, some of you teenagers, four, five meals a day, every day, like you don't miss. You're as faithful as could be to eat. I mean, you are one disciplined individual. I mean, you never miss eating. Some of us could stand to miss a couple meals, right? (laughs) But here's the deal. When it comes to Bible reading and being in God's Word, how faithful are we in that? In George Foreman's book, God in My Corner, the former heavyweight boxing champion writes this, In 1974, Before I went to Africa to fight Muhammad Ali, a friend gave me a Bible to take along my trip. He said, George, keep this with you for good luck. Well, I believe the Bible was just a shepherd's handbook, probably because the only verse I knew was, the Lord is my shepherd. (laughs) But I always was looking for luck, so I carried that Bible with me. I had lucky pennies and good luck charms, so now I added the lucky Bible to my collection of superstitious items. Mr. Foreman said. Well, after I lost that fight, I threw the Bible away. I never even opened it. I thought, the Bible didn't help me win, so why do I need it? I thought I'd get power simply from owning it. I didn't realize that I needed to read it and believe what it says. And since then, I've come to understand that the Bible is my roadmap, not my good luck charm. Um, I'm not sure if George Foreman, I would agree, I don't really know all of uh, his theology and all of that, but that right there, I would agree with that, 
Mr. George. I mean, not only do you make a pretty good, you know, grill, um, but you know some truth about the importance of the Word of God in our life, and not just owning it, my friend. I think all of us have a Bible, or two, or three, or four, or 18. I'm not sure how many Bibles you own, but that's not, it doesn't really matter how many you own, or whether you even do, it's do you use it? And if you're going to keep focused on Christ, you've got to be in this book each day. So encouragement again from your pastor to be in God's word. And so here back in Hebrews chapter 11, we see that as he makes his great great escape, uh, Moses and the uh, nation of Israel, first he forsook the world and then he focused on Christ. And then number three, notice this, Moses did not forget the Passover. In verse number 28, though faith, through faith, I'm sorry, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And this is a reference, of course, back to the song we sung a little bit ago in our service. When I see the blood, I will pass, will pass over them. This was the last plague that came over Egypt. It was the death of the firstborn. Remember, they said to get an innocent lamb and to take that lamb and take its innocent blood and put it on the doorposts. And at midnight, the death angel was going to pass over. And uh, those who had the blood applied to the doors, uh, that death angel would pass over them and would not destroy their firstborn. And then after all that took place, how many of you are firstborns in here? Would you raise your hand? Yes, I am one of them too. Um, I would have really been glad if my parents remembered to do that, (laughs) wouldn't you? Um, But uh, so Moses, by faith, decided to go forward with that. Um, In verse number 28, through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. And this Passover celebration that they were told to remember after the event took place, God told Moses that, hey, you need to have a Passover uh, remembrance every year. This Passover represented the plan of God to provide salvation. And it was through the death of an innocent lamb whose blood was applied to the doorpost in the form of a cross. Of course, this reminds us, of course, what Jesus did for us. On the cross, the innocent Lamb of God whose blood was shed on the cross for us. And when we apply it to our life, then we can be saved. What a blessing that is. This feast that uh, he did not forget to keep was a reminder of the wonderful blessing of God's salvation. Moses did not forget to be thankful for how God provided a way for them to be saved. And uh, here's the application for us. Let's not let many days go by without being thankful for the plan of God to provide us salvation. Uh, we, we should not let too much time go by before we stop and say, Lord, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for being my sacrifice. Thank you for making a way of salvation for me. A pastor friend of mine used to say, and probably still does, that it is a sin not to thank God for dying on the cross every day. I I don't know that I would go that far to say that, but I don't know that I wouldn't either. 
Um, I believe it is healthy for us to remember and to give thanks on a very regular basis for what Christ did for us on the cross. And Moses, by faith, remembered that. Uh, he kept it the day of, and then, and then as time went on, he, he did not forget to, uh, to remember the Passover and what God did for him. So Moses had a good memory when it came to the blessings of God and the way God provided that. Moses did not forget the Passover. And then number four, I want us to look here at, at verse 29. And Moses and the people went forward at the Red Sea. Moses and the people went forward at the Red Sea. And this was by faith. In verse number uh, 29, the Bible says this, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do, were drowned. In Exodus chapter number 14, this is the, uh, the record of uh, the parting of the Red Sea and, and the nation of Israel coming to this cul-de-sac. I remember when I was growing up in Lancaster, I uh, lived on a cul-de-sac. And uh, how many of you right now live on a cul-de-sac? Okay. Yes, my family's hands are raised. Um, you don't know what a cul-de-sac is, uh, Mark. <laughs> uh, but cul-de-sac is uh, basically there's no thoroughfare. You just, you just kind of go around like that. Well, that's where the, uh, the nation of Israel found themselves. They found themselves in a cul-de-sac. They had Egypt behind them, and they had the Red Sea in front of them, and there was no way out. Well, Exodus chapter 14 and verse number 15, here's the words of God to Moses and to the nation of Israel. He said, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But, but God, there's a, uh, there's a big body of water, like we're going to all drown, so that, that can't be from you. No, speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift up thou thy rod and stretch out thine hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. So they were instructed to go forward even when it didn't make any sense. I mean, going forward, really? You want to kill us in the sea? You want to drown us, Lord? Really? Well, we of course, know the story how that God parted the Red Sea at that moment. See, God blesses steps forward for him. The Lord blessed the step of faith of Noah to build the ark, despite how foolish it looked to everyone else. The Lord later blessed the nation of Israel as they took the step onto, uh, onto the water of the Jordan River to enter into the promised land. And remember, the Lord blessed the step of faith that Peter took when he got out of the boat so I guess my question to all of us tonight is this. Um, the Lord blessed the step of faith of Moses and the children of Israel to step forward and go over on to, into the uh, Red Sea. What step of forward do you need to take tonight? Maybe you need to take the step of salvation. Maybe you've been here for a long time and you've never been saved and you never stepped. Uh, take that step of salvation. Tonight can be that night. For you to take that step forward for the Lord, the Lord's sake. Maybe you've been saved and not yet been baptized. Maybe tonight's the night you make the decision to step forward and get baptized. What about having daily devotions? 
spending time every day in God's Word and communing with Him in prayer. Uh, maybe you've not made that step forward in your Christian life. Can tonight be that night for you? It's not gonna, it doesn't make any sense. I don't really have time to do it. It doesn't seem to work for me. I don't really enjoy it. Step forward anyway. What about church membership? I just don't know if this is really the right church. I'm still waiting to get kind of a feel for it. Take a step forward by faith. What about giving? 10% of my income? Are you serious? How am I going to pay all my bills? You step forward by faith. And then you see how God provides. Doesn't always make sense. Doesn't always work out on paper. I mean, stepping forward into the Red Sea did not work out on paper. But Moses and the people were willing to step forward. What about serving? Getting involved in a ministry? Oh, I don't think I can do it. It just doesn't make sense to my mind. I don't think I could put myself out there like that. I, I understand, but that's why it's called by faith. It doesn't have to make sense. What about witnessing uh, to a co-worker, to a neighbor, to a friend, to a family member? Oh, I don't know how they're going to react. Step forward and watch the Lord work. What about showing up to our Saturday morning outreaches? Well, I mean, if I do that, then, then I'm not going to get all my chores done and I'm not going to get all my shopping done. Step forward toward the Lord and see how God works it all out. Faithfulness to our church services. Wednesday nights, I mean, giving up another night of my week. Are you serious? That's really going to mess up my schedule. Do it and watch how the Lord works and blesses. Step forward by faith. God's not calling us to walk by sight. He's calling us to walk by faith, which is why I named our daughter Faith. So every time I walk by her, I'm like, I'm walking by faith. I live by faith. I sit by faith. I eat by faith. All kinds of things by faith. What step forward do you need to take in your relationship with God? Too many Christians in our day and age are stepping backwards. We need Christians to start stepping forward. And that's the direction God wants us to go. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when others aren't, will you take a step forward? James 4 and verse number 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Julie, would you mind coming up here? We've got to illustrate this again. I've done this a few times. But this is always such a great illustration. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. So we'll, we'll let Julie represent the Lord because she's a better representative of the Lord than I am. Amen? Okay. You didn't actually have to say amen there. <laughs> uh, but I'll be a Christian. And uh, tonight we've mentioned several steps that we could take forward toward the Lord. Salvation. I take a step forward and... The Lord takes a step toward me. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Baptism. Probably need to go a little slower here because there's a lot of steps. Okay. <laughs> I took a step. 
the Lord takes a step toward me. Daily devotions. Church membership. Witnessing. Serving in church. Giving. And before you know it, we're this close. Get to kiss during my sermon. That's, that's, a, that's, the, that's the ultimate sermon right there. <laughs> Best sermon ever. I need to put this verse in all of my, this illustration in all of my sermons. What step do you need to take tonight to go forward in your Christian life? If you're not going forward, at best you're lukewarm. And what does God say about those who are lukewarm? He will spew you out of his mouth. He, it's disgusting to him. And so I want to encourage you tonight to take a step forward wherever you are in your Christian life. I have never regretted taking a step forward for God. And you'll not regret it either. You'll get to see God do some great and mighty things like the nation of Israel did as they stepped forward into that. I mean, can you imagine seeing the, the walls of water on either side and them walking going, okay. Here we are. And Egypt thought the same thing, and they're like, ah, we're going to go get them. And then as soon as the nation of Israel was safe on the other side, then those, way, that, that wall, those walls came crashing down and destroyed the Egyptians. God did some great things because they were willing to go forward. The great escape. Let's wrap it up tonight. What made this escape so great? It was found in what Moses did by faith. He forsook the world. He focused on Christ. He did not forget the Passover. And he and the people went forward at the Red Sea. Are you willing to forsake the world? Is there something that you have allowed in your life from the world that you need to forsake and get rid of? Tonight's the night to forsake the world. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. No turning back. Are you willing to focus on Christ? Get your eyes on the Lord. That'll help us endure. That'll help us to keep running with patience. To not forget what Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. To not forget the innocent lamb that became our sacrifice so that we can be saved. And then to go forward in our Christian life. I hope that you'll take a step forward tonight by faith. Hey, if it was by sight, if it was easy, if it made sense, anybody can do it. But God's looking for those who are willing to take a step by faith. Will you do that tonight? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this passage of Scripture that highlights the great escape of Israel out of bondage into the promised land. Lord, I, I pray that we would learn the lessons from the life of Moses here and how he was willing to forsake the world all the goodness that this world had to offer, he said no to it. He forsook it. Help us, Lord, to be willing to forsake this world that we live in. Lord, this world is not our home. We're just a passing through. So, Lord, help us to not set our affection on things of this earth, but to set our affection on things above. Father, I pray that you would help us to, um, Lord, keep our eyes focused upon you. Lord, help us to be in your word daily so that we can keep our eyes fixed upon the one who will help us endure. 
Help us, Lord, to never forget what you did for us on the cross and to never get the, forget the sacrifice you made for us. And help us, Lord, to by faith go forward for your sake, even when it doesn't make sense, even when others aren't doing it. Help us, Lord, to be willing to take our step of faith. And Lord, I don't know what step you want each person in here to make tonight, but I pray that each one of us would be willing to step forward to do what's right, to do what you're calling us to do, to draw close to you. And we're thankful for the promise that you'll draw close to us. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I'm going to ask Miss Pat to just start playing right now. And as she does, I want to invite you to have a time of prayer and decision about what step you need to take, perhaps something you need to forsake, perhaps a recommitment to being in God's Word so that your eyes will stay focused upon the Lord. Perhaps it's been some time since you thank the Lord for His sacrifice on the cross, and you need to take some time tonight to do that. As she plays, um, I'll give you an opportunity to take care of business with the Lord.